Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray. I am Dave. And, man, uh, we have one week left. Um, hashtag MBCAM 2021 is on the way. And so today we wanted to take our time to kind of uh, talk about uh, those issues. There are some new things that have popped up that uh, Dave um, can definitely talk about. And we just really want to get uh, everybody that's listening, if you're in Missouri, uh, really get you rallied up. Um, please, if you are going, um, share this episode. If you're listening to it, listen, uh, share it with other people that are going to the Missouri Baptist annual meeting this year, um, because there's a lot of awesome things that you've already heard. Uh, if you're new to this, um, you'll get to hear more about those awesome things that are coming up. But uh, yeah, Missouri Baptist the annual meeting is coming up and we are excited. Dave and I get to be involved in a, a multiplicity of things. And so one thing that, yeah, Dave has already been a, a part of, you know, we have done the whole abolitionist issue. Um, there was a meeting of the minds when it comes to the resolutions. And so Dave, um, what is going on with uh, the abolition uh, resolution? So Part of this goes back to August 26th, I believe. That was the day that we submitted our Missouri Baptist resolution on the abolition of abortion. It had 19 names on it in total. And then it also had some individuals' names like your wives, my son, another member of First Baptist, and another pastor who were not really um, co-submitters, but they were affirmers of the resolution. So there was over 20 names on that documents. And what happened was that went to the resolutions committee. It's a committee of six people that are appointed by the president of the Missouri Baptist Convention, John Nelson. And so those six individuals looked at our resolution as well as every other resolution that was submitted. And then they sent out a document inviting us to come to what's called a resolutions hearing. Now in that resolutions hearing, what they're supposed to do is ask questions about your resolution and decide if they need to adjust that resolution, uh, if it needs to leave the committee, they have to vote in order for that to get to the floor of the Missouri Baptist Convention. So when we showed up, um, Clay Lyons was there as well as two other members from his church and then Janet Wright, a member of First Baptist Church of Buffalo. Uh, We showed up at 9.30 a.m. at the Missouri Baptist Building met Dr. Yates and the rest of the committee, and they began to talk about resolutions. We did get to sit through a discussion on a resolution in regard to critical race theory. It was a good discussion. I don't know if that resolution is going to be leaving committee uh, or not, Um, but it was a good discussion, and I thought that the the professor, pastor who put it forward did an excellent job. Um, I cannot really tell you. It doesn't seem even though since 2019, I know this is at least the third resolution that's been submitted, basically renouncing critical race theory. And so if it doesn't make it, I'm not going to be surprised. And that's really unfortunate, by the way. And then we sat down with um, two different resolutions, um, one offered by the Christian Life Commission on the resolution to end abortion. And I have a copy of it right here. Um, Adam has a copy of it that I sent to him. And then our resolution on the abolition of abortion. This resolution has six resolves in it and six whereas statements in it. And they're all fairly brief. Um, You can see them there. I can put it on split screen and I will probably split screen here before too long uh, to at least allow you to see that. So we opened up the discussion with me essentially um, laying out why an abolitionist could not consistently support this. Number one, it doesn't use good language. Number two, it doesn't directly call abortion every time it talks about it, murder, it says end in the res- end to end in the result of a death, right? Uh, which yeah. to me is weak language. And um, you'll actually hear Adam's going to make available the discussion that we had uh, because I did record that hearing and I'd love for anyone to listen to that. I think that you will hear me go through it just a little bit more, but essentially here's what you need to know. 
as an abolitionist, we have some very key indicators. Number one, a submission to God's law as the ultimate standard. Number two, the reality that that abortion is murder. Number three, we will not affirm an incrementalist approach to the immediate end of abortion. Number four, we also call for equal justice under the law because that's where Southern Baptists are. When we say that life begins at conception, what we mean is that it's life. That at conception, that is a human being as defined by scripture, knit me together in my mother's womb, cannot be any more clearly articulated than the process of DNA replication that occurs at the cellular yeah. level in a newly formed pregnancy. And so yeah. when you remove those things, uh, further, one fifth piece, by the way, sorry, I just we also call on people to repent. And that's yeah. a key piece. So if your resolution does not have that type of language, uh, it is inadequate for what we are calling for. Yeah. Um, that is, we're not calling for taxes to not be given to abortion. Uh, that's great, but that's not the root. The root is, yeah. this is equal justice under the law. And equal justice under the law is clearly stated, and likewise, serious repentance and the reality that we're not going to adopt a incrementalist or regulationist view of abortion. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, whenever, because uh, I mean, I, I know I was listening to the audio, there was, there was a lot of good faith there. Um, so it's one of those things I want uh, people to, whenever I upload this and all that stuff, you're going to hear people really wanting to listen to each other. Now we'll um, see what happens when we get to the floor of the, of the annual meeting on how much uh, influence and how much give and take there is. But there was a lot of good faith. There was a lot of good questions asked. Um, so again, this is an in-house thing. This is a brother and sister thing. So if you're going to be an abolitionist, if you're going to base your life and everything, uh, all of life um, with all of Christ, right? Um, Christ mm-hmm. is king over all things. Then if he has said, bear with, the, with one another in love, let's do it. Let's be consistent with our position. And it, it is those inconsistencies um, with the abolitionist position that do get pointed out, Hey, um, they're not being, they're not bearing with people. They're not doing So again, we, there's repentance on both sides um, when we come together and do this. And so we can't do this in such a way that dehumanizes um, someone who would be an incrementalist, but we do need to pity the position to go and, and call to repentance. We can't water that down and then bear with them and show them and be like, remember you're celebrating um, this arbitrary line I don't hear you lamenting the deaths that you just codified because yes. of the false, the lie that we have perpetuated for uh, 48 years, which is Roe is law, which it is not, but it does become partial law when the pro-life legislation comes through and says, here's the line, here's murder, here's where you can't. Yes. And that actually codifies it. And then we're also living in a time where it is out there in the news Biden and Kamala Harris, they both have said, we want to codify it. What does that imply? It is not law. The executive branch has done nothing. The legislative branch has done nothing other than the legislative branch is the pro-life branch of use here um, that is codifying the um, the judge, the judicial branch's decision, right? The, the opinion, and it's getting codified how? It didn't get codified um, from the pro-choice side of the argument, it got codified. It gets it's getting incrementally codified. So it, it, we're in incrementalism. We're doing this. We're doing this little dance here. Yes. And as Christians, we want to what? What? What is? What is the? Um, they the? What do we say? We want to rescue those who are being rescue led or being to slaughter. Led to slaughter. Yeah. Yeah. And here's so the thing. I want to state a few things real quick because I know. Individuals, I'm hoping that they will listen to that hearing recording. Um, You will hear me be as gracious as I can be to what I would say are uninformed pro-life supporters, which is what I once was, what Adam once was, what every abolitionist once was, right? And so I had to engage them in the way that I would try to say, okay, when I was in that mindset, 
how would I appreciate being respected and being talked to and explained things to? Um, I tried to be as charitable as possible to, to Tim and, and I appreciated it because he was kind and I liked, he said, they bungled up the resolution last year. Um, he makes that clear and I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate his statement on that. Um, this morning at 8.38 a.m., I got a phone call from the chair of the resolutions committee, Jerry Gentry, and he did tell me that there was going to be a resolution, resolution three. I believe it's going to be posted on the Missouri Baptist Convention website, actually, for people to see here very soon. What Adam and I are going to advocate for at this particular point is this, and this is what we are hoping everyone who is coming as an abolitionist will support. We are going to advocate for resolution three, certainly, but we are also going to say the more robust statement is the submitted statement, and we advocate for a dual passage of both resolutions. So our plan is to pull the resolution from committee in order to allow a more thorough, robust, and clear statement to the legislators and to the magistrate in Missouri to stop standing in the way of any abolitionist, um, any abolitionist bills, because when we make these two statements together, together, we are better together than they are alone. I do not yeah. think that there is, I don't embrace wholeheartedly everything in that resolution, but I would encourage anyone who listens to this program or who sees the YouTube video to go to MissouriBaptist.org, then go to the annual meeting and read the resolution. It will be clearly posted there. And, and Adam, if you're able to find it, if they get it up, please put that in the links yeah. of the video. Um, yeah. Because we can say, okay, nice shot. Not quite enough. And here's the deal. If we are unable to pull our resolution, which has the uh, imprint of an actual legislator in the yeah. Missouri Baptist Senate's it has his fingerprints on it. When we affirm that, not only do we allow the legislator himself who we've elected to speak on the matter, which is what we're not doing if we don't pass it, we still have the ground to modify this resolution that they do pass and make it more robust. So we have more ammunition. That's why we need to pull it further. And Adam's going to advocate this from the floor when he pulls it from the. Yeah. yeah the, the, the major issue is so say, say uh, the resolution comes out, we can agree mostly say, you know, it says basically everything doesn't really come out and say um, without exception or compromise, but if we can think critically here, and if the language does imply that, okay, let's work with it and then let's make that explicit. So yes. um, where last year um, it was just gut fest, it was cancel, cancel, cancel this, you know, here's 14, 15, 16, take that out. Um, then Doug Ritchie um, notices like after we vote, he goes, wait a second, there's still some language in here um, that would lead me to this, which is still abolition. And we can sit here and be like, well, at least there's something right. And then he ends up calling for that to be gutted too, right? Let's well, do the other way around. Let's actually do something maybe we aren't so happy with, but then we can actually show the gospel issue of being brothers and sisters. And then it, the big thing is we don't, the MBAA doesn't have to be the one to do it, right? So we're not about labels. We're not about brands. We are about the truth. And so if this is the way that we have to get the truth to be, uh, able for all the like basically the goal is to have all the Missouri Baptists stand with one voice, which then would be standing with the SBC yes. now, standing yes. with one voice to stand together and call our legal system. Which, again, if we go back to uh, what we talked about in that, uh, um, well, I guess, yeah, that last episode that we talked about this, where Wester is going, let's utilize the legal system, right? as if the abolitionists don't want to do that, we do. We we do have a legal system. We can recognize that it is awesome. We can use scripture to go, hey, a decentralized government is awesome. And let's use that. Let's not go to civil war. Let's not do that. Let's not learn how to war anymore, but call each other to repentance, which is literally the abolitionist 
position and let's work with them. Um, but then again, if not, we do have to understand the rules, go by the rules, try to get the NBAA thing. Whenever we're trying to get the NBAA thing out, it's not because we want a brand. That's right. It's just that we need the language, but let's work with them. Again, Dave, you hit it right on the head. Um, the the issues, the three issues that I want you as a listener to have in mind that um, would want to come and stand with us behind microphones and talk to people, that the three main issues is that um, if we have to call the NBAA out the floor, that resolution, it's because we will. We well, will. Yeah. Yeah. We want to combine both. And that's because the language is more clear and and direct. Right. We want to make sure that what Baptists produce is clear and direct, not vague or anything like that, because it's the vague stuff that people um, try to that's it's the vague stuff that got us in row versus weight. All right. That's the problem. We don't need to do that. We need to make sure we're clear and direct. Um, the big thing is it's already passed the SBC. And so we can call the NBC to stand in line with the whole of the convention nationally. We can be like Missourians are saying, especially we will stand with our people across the nation, right? Or really across the globe. If you're talking about Southern Baptist Convention, it's a global yes. thing. So we're not just, it's just not an American thing. It's a people who are Christians who are standing together to cooperate. And this is how we want to cooperate, which is to call wherever situation we're in to call our people to, to stop regulating murder, stop murder, at least the, the legal murder. Like we can't get rid of murder and we understand reality. That's why we have the word. But we have to do as God has directed us and be faithful in that. Um, so it already has that language. So it's already been established anyway. So I don't know why, um, you know, why they wouldn't accept the same resolution in Missouri. One of um, the, the same language. One of the things, Adam, that you'll probably want to make sure you do from the floor that day is say we were told last year that we were waiting to see what the Southern Baptist Convention did. So yeah. I'm asking you as people of integrity to go with what has been said from the state yeah. of the convention last year. Hold people to their word instead of it just being a little pacifier for last year. Hope they forget. No, we did not forget. No, no. In fact, they passed it. So come on, come on, Missouri. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so it's a come on, Missouri. Um, and so, yeah, it's already passed. But the strongest thing here is its language. Again, as Dave said, Mike Moon has read this and goes, this is what I need. Yes. Remember, he's the, he's actually a legislature, a, yeah. a legislator. He is a senator in Missouri. Um, there's also a representative, as we said, that is next session, Science. there will be Science another abolition. Is his name? Yeah. And so there will be another abolition bill going through the House now with uh, Mike Moon as a supporter in the Senate. Remember how this all works. You know, we do have a legal system. Let's utilize it. Let's be above board on this issue and present this correctly. Um, but we need to get, it's the language that he goes, this is what I need. So it's not just a vague little six point statement. It is clear. And yes, it's a little hefty. It's a little, you know, there's that, you know, but the, the thing is, is then this would prove that you need more than just to stand up at the microphone and say, this is just a imbecilic statement written poorly without, with no evidence. Um, you know, this kind of, this would be the help um, Missouri can help the what happened um, at the national convention this year well, by if, if um, cla helping clarify. And if that does happen again this year, uh, if that does happen from the floor, if someone does get up and try to basically throw a bunch of mud or add homonyms against an actual very well written statement, by the way, very well written in that when it was attempted to be jacked with, it couldn't be jacked with in clarity. When that happens, a good abolitionist will respond to that type of statement and destroy it and dismantle it. Um, and it's very easy at that particular point. If if the same individual does stand up, who who I respect as as a colleague, as a professor, uh, I would note to that individual, sir, you've had months to interact with abolitionists on this to demonstrate directly and specifically what the problems were. Why would you refuse every abolitionist who has reached out to you to engage on this issue? It's because you know our position is biblically sound. You know that it's biblically consistent and no one 
on your side can contend biblically with it. Again, it said the perfect and then begged the question that the perfect is being an enemy to the good, which is exactly the point of the debate. So uh, again, that's that's what we need to do is get beyond our our political uh, secular political alignments and say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, right? And that is a political statement, um, and that's what we rally behind. That's what we unify under, and that's the only way we're going to have unity on this issue is if we say Christ is King, His Word is true, He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and He has spoken on this issue instead well, of going into our little uh, blue and red or uh, hedgehog cuddles and and talking about this and arguing from a neutral standpoint we need to stop that stop telling people even perpetuating a lie that there is a neutral ground for us to talk about this Um, people are people made in the image of god because why because god created that way and he has he is the only authority on that issue so um, let me um, the problem let me finish this little segment as we transition into the next component of our uh, dialogue today by pointing out what Missouri Baptist messengers can do. Number one, we get there for the debate when we meet afterwards, demonstrate from the outset of the annual meeting that abolitionists are there, that we are graceful, and that we are serious about this. So be there, be at our meeting, which will occur after the debate. We've actually made the debate a little bit more concise so that we can have the room afterwards. The debate has been tightened up in the time constraints. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But be there, be there for the meeting, and then get ready to pass out literature. I was talking to a messenger yesterday, and I said, look, uh, you don't need to be out on the street, the Missouri abolish abortion Missouri are going to give us plenty of people who will be out on the street. We need you in the sessions with the pamphlets in your hand, asking people really simply, did you get one of these? Right. Adam and I will be at the booth. My son's going to be with me at the booth. Elisha wants to be at the booth with me. Which we, is, need, we need a Charlie. We need yeah. a Charlie. Yeah. So he wants to be with me at the booth, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, passing out literature, like literally, yeah. He is convictionally, as a young Christian, already concerned about the pre-born, and that is incredibly encouraging. But he said he wanted to help me pass out stuff at the booth. Adam and I will be at the booth. There will be abolitionists on the streets passing out the material. Adam and I will be at the booth passing out the resolution, the are you an abolitionist, copies of the doctrine of Balaam, copies of Babies Are Murdered Here, copies of Senator Mike Moon and Brian Setzer's pamphlet that explains what they're doing right away. In fact, the crazy thing is, in my discussion with the chairman of the resolutions committee, he said, you guys need to put together a pamphlet that explains what these senators are doing. And I was like, they already did it for us and we'll have it. We'll be able to give people actual documents on what is occurring. So be there, grab the material, pass it out, come to the street preaching, and be in the opened, open sessions. There are two open sessions. In those open sessions, Adam will um, make the motion to take the resolution out of committee. We'll need a true two, two-thirds vote. We will need messengers to speak in affirmation. Yeah. And, so, and it's one of those things that if you're a messenger, again, you don't have to speak to that, but we need, if you're into this, like we need you in the room, you've got your big piece of paper and we need you to swing up your hand as fast and as high as possible. Um, and ha- and then we need you and like, again, here's how the behind the scenes work. Like, okay, you're an introvert. Okay. Don't use that as a crutch to not do anything. Right. You can still do stuff. And an introvert can sit in a room and he can, and an introvert can talk to their other introverted friends to say, let's sit in the back, let's sit wherever, and just make sure that we are there with our pieces of paper in hand, ready to go, two-thirds vote. We want this off the floor. We want to talk you know, out, out on the floor, and we want to talk about it. So um, everybody has a gift. Um, Ephesians 4 has clearly stated that the teachers and elders and pastors, um, apostles, prophets, were all there to equip 
all the saints for ministry. And if we are, and I know Southern Baptists are very good um, in holding on to that priesthood of all believers. You are a priest. You are, you have the word of God, you have the spirit that resides in you and you have a gifting and it might not be speaking behind a mic. It not, might not be able to hand people uh, pamphlets on the streets and all that kind of stuff, but you do have a gift. You have a, a reason for being um, that is to glorify God and ministry. And this is a ministry that we can do to call people um, to repentance um, about things that need to be repented of, which we all do. So we don't need to throw up our defense when we hear that. Um, But then your gift is to be there. Uh, God has given you time to be there. Take the time and do it. Redeem the time, right? Um, And then be there throw up that ballot. And uh, that's, we would value that support just as much as somebody standing behind a microphone or outside preaching. Um, We are all uh, involved with each other and um, we are very grateful for anything, any help um, that we can get as people that are a little bit more uh, out there and extroverted and doing all this stuff. So, you know, don't count yourself useless. Everybody is useful and no one's an idiot. So, you know, and there's no such thing as useful idiot, but you are useful. uh, Somebody who um, is convicted by the truth of scripture of, of the God who has come down to speak. So. Well, with that said, let's transfer into. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, there's the other issue. Often our programs only have one little segment. Now we're doing, we've got, we got, we got three, we got three. Remember Dave, I told you something anyway, a third little issue. And so this will kind of segue into it, but um, yes, uh, we had the episode, um, you know, the NBC pathway after talking to Doug, uh, to Don Hinkle about um, the whole issue. And he said that he would put the, uh, put the debate in the Missouri pathway. Well, he did. We talked about that. It was awesome. It was wonderful. We were, I hope that we were able to give you wonderful tools to cross-examine a piece of paper with words on it, you know, and we hope that you did that so you could see where the answers, how they're talking to each other uh, in print here. Um, and so that was the only thing in the pathway that I saw um, that was about this issue um, that was out there anyway. But uh, I think uh, this or yesterday I came home and uh, found out that my wife had uh, placed the new Missouri pathway on my uh, little table here. And I walked in I'm like, oh, a new Missouri pathway. So I opened it up and I'm like, is there anything else? Is there anything else? And I was like, oh, dang it. It's not, you know, there's not there's not another like middle spread, you know, to kind of continue the conversation. But um you know, there was, and we're thankful for what Don uh, put in the pathway. So I'm not sitting here degrading, but you know, there, you know, in this one, there isn't, but there is, there is uh, something to talk about um, with the pathway before uh, we get to uh, the Missouri Baptist annual meeting. But if you go to page 20 of the October 12th uh, pathway, um, you'll see at the very top corner here, it says culture watch on page 20. And here's an issue that we can, we've already stated this in the last episode, but I wanted to hit this again, as it says that judge blocks Texas heartbeat law. So this is uh, what's going on. Here's a little concise little uh, idea, but you need to go on the internet and, uh, and search for more about the goings on, the who's who and all this. But uh, just the quick little thing that needs to be said is the Justice Department won the first round of its fight against a pro-life law in Texas. Uh, U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman, an appointee of President Barack Obama, ordered judges in the state to ignore the law. So the state can make a law and he's ordering people to ignore a law. And we're getting hit by um, ignoring not a law. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, and um, said that to ignore the law while the department's lawsuit against its uh, against it is under review. In a furious opinion, Pittman wrote that he would not sanction any or sanction one more day uh, of this offensive deprivation of such an important right, which is the woman's right to choose, um, is what he would be advocating for. But Marjorie, and I'm going to mess this last name up, but uh, Dannon Felser. President of the pro-life Susan B. Anthony List fired back saying, now an unelected judge has interfered clearly with the express will of Texans. And again, shouldn't the expressed will of Texans been like, it's murder. Murder needs to stop in a heartbeat bill as regulated murder. Why isn't that the will of the Texans? Why isn't that the will of the pro-life um, people here in Texas? <laughs> so, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're good. You're good. That was a good sneeze. No Rona. Remember, we're on Zoom right now. Right. No spreading. <laughs> we're so sanitary on this episode. But anyway, this is what I wanted to uh, rehash um, real quick is in um, Joshua Wester's. OK, we're going back to the September 28th, page 11 um, issue here. Here's what Wester said. I lament and oppose every legal effort to further protect or establish abortion in the United States. Remember, they're the ones that are doing it. If you're a part of the pro-life, you're codifying the opinion of the judiciary, which cannot create law. But despite my opposition to these things, I recognize that short of civil war, which no one is advocating, and I hope that it doesn't come down to that, but if we have to save lives, if people are being murdered, I don't want that to happen. And so I agree here. Um, the only legitimate remedy to the status quo is through our legal system. And so, again, we said that this almost straw mans the other side when you turn the page and you go back that the abolitionists don't care about the legal system. And we do. And that's what we're trying to say, that the legal system says the judiciary doesn't make law. <laughs> it's the legislators. And they're the ones that are legislating pro-life laws, which actually codify arbitrarily the um, opinion of the judiciary. So again, we're, we're getting the blame off of us here because it's literally on them. It says, I respect the moral correctness of attempting to pass state laws to abolish abortion. So thank you for the admonition that we are correct yes. in, our, in our discerning of what is true and what is false about this issue. We are correct. And that he is in the correctness of attempting to pass state laws to abolish abortion. So it's a correct thing to do to try to um, abolish abortion. So thank you again for the admission. But at present, if any state were to pass such legislation, the federal court system would simply strike down the law as unconstitutional. And in effect, passing such a bill simply maintains the status quo. What just happened with a heartbeat bill? So again, we're arguing on neutral territory and now it sounds very absurd because now we have a Tacoque. We have a you're blaming you're you're saying that we shouldn't do this with abolition because the status quo will get maintained because the federal federal court will try to strike it down. Well, sounds like the federal court's trying to strike down so, abolition at them. And so words, how can have you been faithful to the truth in this situation? Is in other murder? words, if he accepts his position, then he should no longer be a regulationist because the court's going to strike it down. Mm -hmm. End of your argument. It dies there. Obviously, you've demonstrated fundamentally your reasons for not adopting a full embracement of the abolitionist position. Again, your argument is we can't be abolitionist because the court will strike down abolitionist bills. But when a regulationist bill, when an incrementalist bill is offered, it's struck down. So then you can't be a incrementalist anymore. Yeah. And so they the incrementalists were happy about the Hyde Amendment. But what's happening with the Hyde Amendment right now? Again, you're going to do you're going to keep on doing the dance. Keep on doing the dance. This is what abolitionists are saying. This is the status quo. This Defy is the status quo. Pirates. So Defy there's pirates. no definition of status quo in this article, for one. It's just, you know, it's a pejorative thing to get you to think, well, status quo. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I'm going, we can define the status quo. And it's the dance back and forth. Yes. Hyde amendments in, Hyde amendments out. Heartbeat bills in, heartbeat bills out. Let's do a little incremental dance of back and forth. And so this is where that... Let's play some football. Well, guess what? The quarterback has to get in the shotgun and take four or five steps back to throw a pass, and then he goes forward. Um, but then again, on both sides here, right, um, a big old blocker comes from the defense and goes, bam, and knocks him over, incomplete pass. That's the status quo. Yes. And so if that's that, and guess what? We are, as abolitionists, guess what? That is the status quo. Why? Because of sinners. Because people are rebelling against God. And so what is our position as Christians? We are to call them to repentance. What is the abolitionist position? To call to repentance. 
based on the absolute truth of what a person is, who a person is. And so who is then now by the standard of scripture, who is being faithful? And again, thanks to this article, we are the faithful ones. And it's even seen by Wester. We are the faithful ones. We are the ones. And so again, we, we can't change hearts and that's the only, only gospel. But again, whenever we get into Romans 12 and 13, we need to call our legislators, our civil magistrates, and we do not need to waste the opportunity here in America that we do have a decentralized government with the, the things. So let's utilize this system that is great and God-given and utilize it faithfully to call for the abolition of abortion. And so, again, we I just wanted to make sure that we came together and demonstrated um, the absurdity of the incrementalist position before we get into this. So, again, uh, please hear this, share this. Um, maybe we just need to take that little quick, uh, clip and just put that clip out, you know, just to be like, they're saying this is a status no, I, quo. Game. I think that that's correct. I think that yeah. that's well said. Yeah. Sorry that I had a few, uh, interruptions. I have a funeral today. That's why I'm dressed in my, yeah. and not in my, I literally, uh, changed out of my Van Til shirt, uh, today. So we didn't, we didn't, oh, well. I got it. the bonds in for us. So it's all good. It's all good. And I'll, I'll be wearing Van Til next, uh, Sunday night. But then again, if we both wear Van Til, come on, that just shows that we're standing with one voice uh, for the truth of the gospel and the position of the debate, which thank what you for the segue. Is, Let's get to it. What size is your abolitionist T-shirt? Uh, Free the States when I have to order one. I'll be I'll be wearing that one as well the next couple of days. So it might ah, be a little stinky good. with uh, yeah. that good old sweat <laughs> from street preaching and excellent man. All that stuff. But yeah, I'll probably wear a suit jacket or a sports coat and a uh, button-up shirt all I, have, all I have to do is uh you know contact silverman he's going to be there it's like i mean i guess i can some. say hey give me yeah i mean i'll, I'll do that i will well <laughs> bring one with you. I'll, yeah, i've got to send him a message anyway so we're grateful for for james and sam and their willingness to uh moderate the debate uh it will be great uh, we're really excited yeah. Yeah. So um, that being said, that was the we we segued ourselves in to the third point and the uh, the big thing that we wanted to definitely talk because we haven't had a debate in a long time. No. And when we've had debates in the past, we've always done pre-debate shows. We've shared the debate and then we've done a post-debate show, which will all happen um, here on the YouTube channel and on the uh, podcast apps and all that kind of stuff. And so, by the way, um, thank yes, you, your friends. Our subscribers are growing on YouTube. Thank you for liking yeah. the program and uh, sharing it and uh, subscribing. It is really good. It's very fun to see that grow. We're excited as it grows. And uh, hopefully after the annual meeting, it will grow some as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, get into the conversation, get into the debate uh, again. And just we're just happy to if it's just one little thing that that. Uh, we have been a means to help um, people get through some issue. You know, that is, that is amazing. Again, uh, just being told that um, from Ricky um, yeah. last, uh, last annual meeting is where I met him. And he told me the story about how uh, Tagurit had uh, helped him as a pastor and helped uh, families as parents with their kids. Um, you know, that if that's all that ever happened, you know, I'm sitting here going, I, I got to help. And that's wonderful. Um, I'm, you know, God's using my brain and uh, my time and everything to um, end up edifying somebody that's right. um, that is a fellow brother or sister. And so that's that's all that matters to me. So um, 105 subscribers to a YouTube channel that doesn't sound, um, you know, great in the world's opinion. Screw it. You know, we have 105 people that will listen to us and and uh, hopefully we can have a dialogue at some point and again, encourage and build up the body uh, 105 people at a time or thousands it doesn't matter as long as we are faithful that is the that is the uh, the base uh, motivation is to be faithful so anyway we got a debate coming up and uh, i know that we haven't spent as much time as we have in the past um on our end uh promoting the heck out of it anyway but we do have on the 24th sunday night at the branson convention center in the b Creek Room. That's at 7 p.m. Debate will start then, so get there a little bit early. It's free to anyone. You don't have to be a Missouri Baptist. Uh, you don't have to be a Southern Baptist. Um, there's you no credentials. You can be from Missouri. You can be from anywhere. 
Yeah. You can, you can come down from, or come up from Zimbabwe, you can come down from Alaska, all the way up from New Zealand. Uh, we want you to be there. Um, we're not that, that cool to have that many people come <laughs> from that great of a distance, but Hey, if somebody, I was from Australia, I got a hold of your podcast and I wanted to come to Missouri. Sweet brother. You need to stay at my house. Let's feed you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So B Creek room, Branson convention center, Sunday night, October 24th, 7 PM. We'll be debating on the best way to defend the faith. Um, this is a Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network sort of display, um, sort of a debate where we want to make sure that Missouri Baptists um, know that the that we have an apologetics network, that we have people um, who spend their time uh, researching, studying, um, pouring over their scriptures and available to, again, be a means to equip the saints for ministry, to earnestly contend for the faith, and to, uh, you know, help people be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within them. That's uh, what the uh, Apologetics Network uh, exists for. It's uh, lay leaders. It's uh, people who are pastors. There's people that have got seminary degrees. There's people like me where I just have a, you know, stack of books behind me that I spend time reading. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the cool thing. The gospel is seen in it. And so, uh, you know, Dave, if you want to add any, anything to that, um, so yeah, you know, uh, yeah, let me put this out there. The Missouri Baptist apologetics network has a host of 22 Missouri Baptist approved apologists who are, uh, excited to come and present on a variety of topics, well over a hundred topics. If I have the count correct, at your church. They have courses that they've developed. They have presentations that they've developed, flyers they've developed. We'd enjoy anyone coming by the booth to pick up a free copy of the resolution, a free copy of uh, the great booklet written by the folks at Free the States. Are you an abolitionist? And also we will have free copies of the doctrine of Balaam. Um, but we'll not be the only ones there. There is a variety of different apologists at different levels of expertise that will be standing at the booth, manning the booth, and uh, engaging you. Uh, there's other some other free material that would be available to anyone. And so we not sure we'll still have uh, the Show Me Why book. So you know, I mean, it's there's, crazy. A few, there's two boxes left. There's two boxes left. Two boxes left. All right, so come get your Show Me Why um, for free if you haven't gotten one yet. But that's I mean, it's a few years old. Um, and it didn't have all the apologists in there at the time that are part of the network. And some, you know, I think we, we've had a few leave, um, but we've had a lot more uh, come on. So it's going to be interesting to see who shows up to the uh, booth this year, um, who's hanging around, um, because there's a whole lot of new faces. There's people I've never met that are on the network. But, um, you know, it's really awesome to see something grow. And uh, the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network, you know, has kind of been its own little fluttering around in existence somewhere sort of a thing. But, you know, the past uh, year, year and a half, there's been just the rumblings of trying to get organized. Um, we made presidents, treasurers, Dave uh, being the treasurer so far. Um, Will Hoffman. Treasurer secretary. We'll vote for officers. We'll vote for officers before yeah. this meeting. So I will no longer be treasurer secretary, I don't believe, uh, yeah. at the end of this meeting. Um, I'm not running for re-election. Uh, but with that yeah. said, because of the yeah. variety of apologists, there are obviously different apologetics approaches that are represented in the network. And so one of the things that Adam and I thought about a year ago was, as we visited with Will, the president, uh, we thought that it would be really good to have a debate at the annual meeting. And so we wanted to include as many individuals as we possibly could on the network in order to uh, in order to get exposure. Um, because we knew that they were classical apologists and we knew that they were covenantal apologists. Of course, Adam and I have been on the network for quite a while, and uh, I was the first covenantal apologist to come on. And Adam, I believe, was the second individual who was a covenantal apologist. At least apologist. out and proud. I know, I know uh, Will Hoffman, I think. Oh, uh, yes, you know, that's we, right. Will. He was on there, but he... But it just wasn't it like we were, we were like the out and proud pre-sup what's up dudes, you know, again, that's how we met. So, but right. yeah. Um, yeah. And Keep so, on going. Yeah. <laughs> so, interrupting. With that said, the debate will be, as Adam has already stated, what is the best method of defending the faith? 
And so with that said, uh, as we always do, we like to have a resolutional analysis uh, to define terms. We like to provide what we believe is a clear mechanism, what we call a criterion for evaluating the debate. And then, of course, our uh, our points for, again, affirming our definitional analysis or a resolutional analysis. So with that said, we basically really hope that it is, of course, put in the minds of many individuals that there is a method, methodological decision that someone needs to make when they jump into apologetics. Are they going to be biblical or are they going to assume neutrality? And so that is what we are going to be dealing with. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, whenever it comes down to it, I think there's that definite picture that uh, we can all maybe recall at some level have seen, but you have Plato pointing to the sky, you have Aristotle pointing to the ground, and then in comes the covenantal boys. <laughs> and uh, it's like, you know, what makes sense of pointing to the sky, what it makes sense of pointing to the ground. Um, and that is that God has spoken. Um, and so, you know, you've heard the term presuppositional, we're, we're utilizing the term covenantal, um, the big issue, um, whenever you get into academics anyway, um, you know, Oliphant, uh, Scott Oliphant, which is now the um, systematic theology and apologetics professor at Westminster, he's taken the mantle of uh, Cornelius Van Til. Um, and so Van Til is the one um, who is, he didn't coin the phrase presuppositionalism. Um, it was given to him, um, but Oliphant's come back going like, yeah, he, he didn't coin that phrase. It's what's been added to it. But to get to the heart of the matter, um, where Bonson would have just kept, you know, the presuppositionalism label as far as argument's sake, um, arguing by presupposition is what uh, Van Til talks about. Um, but the heart of the issue is um, theology. The, the, the heart of the, uh, the issue is what do we know about God? And so whenever we get into our confessions, I mean, so this is a historical position and all that kind of stuff, even if it hasn't been out and proud um, in the old books and stuff, it's the um, concise statement that uh, we deal with God as he's condescended and spoken to man as the uh, Westminster and London Baptist. So we can we can find commonality with our Presbyterian brothers and say that we would have no fruition of him as our blessedness and reward, and that we would have no reward of life other than if God took pleasure in condescending down to man. That's right. Um, so we have we have God spoken in word, like his sp spoken word, and then we have Jesus Christ himself, who is the word found in both of those. And I love to combine uh, both uh, chapter 7.1s and both uh, confessions because it just goes to show you we have a lot more in common um, with our with our Presbyterian brothers and sisters than than we uh, do um, in, in disagreement. Well, I just love how you deal with uh, chapter seven point one in the London Baptist Confessions. The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience to Him as their Creator, yet they could never have attained the reward of life but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he has pleased, been pleased to express by way of covenant. I think that that goes extremely well with chapter 9.3 and point four, chapter 10.1 and point two, and chapter 14.1, wherein yeah. chapter 9.3 says, man by his fall into a state of sin has wholly lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So yeah. as a natural man, being altogether adverse from that good, the dead in sin is not able by his own strength to convert himself or to prepare himself or to prepare himself thereunto. Now that is yeah. one of the key pieces, prepare himself thereunto. If you are going to be consistent with what it means to prepare himself thereunto, you have to reject the classical position. You cannot take both of those pieces. It's, to me, black and white. Literally, the words printed on the paper. Do the words have meaning? And what do they mean? 
Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that I, it's really, really kind of cool. Uh, James White on the dividing line, even I re- really recently has talked about Thomism mm-hmm. and stuff like that um, and kind of dealing with those details. So, you know, I'd probably send people uh, to that kind of recent thing. You can, I think you can search it up on, on YouTube and just put like James White, Thomas Aquinas, and it'd be something very, I mean, within the last week, um, just some points to talk about. Uh, Scott Oliphant's actually got some uh, YouTube lectures um, up uh, talking about Thomas Aquinas, talking about these issues. Um, but if you want a good kind of a concise thing, um, Scott Oliphant also wrote a book on Thomas Aquinas. And, you know, the major issue is just because um, he was a good Catholic, the church is the determiner of these things, uh, not scripture. Um, you add scripture to something, but that's a really funny thing is they'd have to go to scripture to make their case for that they're a pillar and buttress of the truth. Um, they would be founding that upon scripture alone um, to give them the authority to do what they do to then dismantle <laughs> scriptural primacy. Um, and the, the, I guess they, they wouldn't necessarily negate the prime, even in grace, it'd be prima gratia, but they would not believe they don't hold a sola gratia. Yes. So prima scriptura, not sola scriptura, but we are Protestants. Um, you know, we are Baptists. Um, we come from the Reformation, uh, like it or not. Um, you know, and so there, there are all those things um, coming to the sin issue. We have to deal with the fact that, that Jesus does say, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Well, what are you freed from? <laughs> you know, that's mm-hmm. the, you know, the bondage of the will um, that there is. And even though we do have a creaturely will, it is in bondage. Um, and also there's where the covenantal kicker comes in is um, it's imputed. It's covenantally yes. imputed to the posterity of Adam and Eve, who yes. were the representatives. And I mean, that is clear in scripture that Paul says in Adam, all die. And then those, you know, basically saying all those in Christ can live. Um, so Christ is a covenant himself. The scripture says like he is the covenant. He is the word and all that stuff. So he, Jesus embodies um, physically taking on flesh, all this stuff. He is, he is, he is, you know? Um, so, but it does come down to covenant and covenantal language is a big deal. And whenever you get into Oliphant's book, it just kind of exposes the fact um, that Th- uh, Thomas, or Thomas was a horrible exegete, especially when it comes to John 3. And it's because the uh, philosophical foundation that was found in Aristotle, um, not the other way around with scripture, um, is the problem. So instead of Christ being the light of the world, the light um, is actually man's reasoning. Um, and so, again, you'll see uh, where's your foundation and how is it coming out. And so that is what the deal is in the debate. Um, classical apologetics is going to go um, back and, you know, the, the the thing that we need to realize whenever Paul said, don't go to these philosophies, reject them, who had already been around? Yes. So grammatical, historical hermeneutics here, who had already been around? Plato, Aristotle. I remember on a episode where it's like the church believed the earth, you know, um, the earth or the sun went around the earth. No, it was Aristotle. That's Aristotelian logic. That's uh, Aristotelian cosmology. And Paul is saying, like, reject that. Reject that. Christ crucified. Reject this. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, that's this kind of the thing of which one are you going to believe? Uh, who's telling the truth? Is Paul telling the truth because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit because he was given, um, given it from Christ? Or are we going to just keep on playing this incremental spinning wheels game until we get to the truth? Well, and here's the other issue, Adam, and you lay this out. And again, I think that these are going to be three major components of of the rebuttal as we move into it. And that is the direct implications of the doctrine of inerrancy, the implications of biblical anthropology. And of course, when we talk about the direct implications of a biblical anthropology, we're talking about Romans 9 we're, or Romans 3, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 2. Those things are exceptionally important when it comes to prioritizing or elevating man's reasoning versus elevating scripture. It is a spirit who gives life and who allows one to understand scripture in and of itself. It's not yeah. man's ability to reason it is scripture uh, scripture tells us that it is the spirit that allows us to understand the word not mm-hmm. some argument for a nameless formless generalized god we seek to preach the 
God of Scripture, the triune God who has condescended to give man light. Again, just, uh, you know, with what Jay, what uh, Davis said, you know, Van Til said in his Christian apologetics, um, the entire debate about theism will be purely formal. Again, we're purely nameless, um, faceless um, God, right? It's going to be purely formal unless theism is taken as the foundation of Christianity. But it is it is uh, this it is it is this so taken it is no longer theism as such but christian theism that is in debate so we are you know that's the major contention we're not here to discuss um theism in general that theism in general to the christian doesn't exist there is no general theism to argue for yes um there's only one god he has spoken um roman says that God has shown it to them. He is clearly perceived, and that's why his wrath is against all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth because what can be seen clearly he has shown to them. So it's not that they have seen because he just made and it was, you know, they see it. No, no, no. God has shown it. So God took initiative to show it to them. Therefore, they're without excuse. Um, so everyone knows God and they are also created themselves. So a lot of people kind of like, uh, well, there's this creation out here, this realm that we're trying to do. And then they exclude themselves from the creation to stand over it as judge. No, you are created too. And so from within you, from like, even to the outside shell of you um, is also seeing the same glory that the stars do about the God who exists and who created them. That's right. Well, I don't want to cut our our show short. Well, you've got stuff, and you're a pastor, and you've got to lead and feed and deal with your flock, um, doing the ministry of the word and prayer. So you've got to do it, and uh, you know this. You know this is an awesome ministry that you get to be a part of. But um, you're doing and being faithful in what you're doing, and so you know I'm I'm proud to have stand with you. So our next program will be a release of the recording from the hearing which adam will do friday next we will probably have a few little live spots here or there but we will have our debate um available as a live stream from branson and that should be pretty simple for adam and i to set up Uh, so it'll be live just like our other debates have been to facebook And then on Monday evening, Adam and I will have a program from the annual meeting, uh, possibly with a guest, but it might just be Adam and I. Um, And then we will have a follow-up on November 1st. Isn't that correct? Yeah, November 1st. Yes, November 1st, we will be doing a couple of shows. Yeah. Um, again, like getting, you know, getting back together, doing a couple of shows, having a couple of shows, uh, you know, one a week kind of a thing. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, get to those issues when we get there, but definitely we'll have a uh, post debate show on tap for that. So we will stick to our guns in the way that we do things anyway. Um, but again, you know, I just pray that, uh, you know, that we're for one, um, Dennis and uh, we've had Gabriel on the show. We haven't had yeah. Dennis on the show yet, but this will be finally um, we're, we're able to engage with Dennis in a discussion um, that is out there and uh, people get to see who he is, um, how he, um, you know, how he expresses what he believes and how he, what his heart is for the people that he wants to, to do. So I'm glad Dennis gets to join us. And, but then again, we're brothers in Christ. That's right. Um, we are going to settle this um, with scripture um, is what you're going to see. And uh, again, the whole question is how consistent is it? But we're brothers in Christ. We'll yes. bear with one another. We'll love one another. And, uh, you know, underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ in it. And so what I hope to see is that Missouri Baptists see something that there's a disagreement um, that gets dealt with civilly and that we hug afterwards. And especially in this context, we're brothers and sisters and we are, we cannot um, deviate from that on this unless if blaring heresy is spoken from the other side or from our side. Um, But then again, judge that with scripture anyway. Um, But then again, the call is to reconcile um, after the fact that, that, that happens. And then that's church discipline after that. So, you know, it's all great, but uh, you know, that's what I hope to see is that Missouri Baptists get a lot more uh, involved in this kind of uh, the Missouri Baptist apologetics network and that it's okay to have these kind of discussions. That's right. 
Well, Adam, thank you so much for all your hard work. I really appreciate every time I get to meet with you. Thank you, dear friends who view, who like, who subscribe, who share. Um, we are grateful that you have found what we have done to be valuable and all glory goes to the Lord. And we're so thankful for this opportunity to be on a big stage at the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting. Yes. And thank you for, you know, Rob Phillips and, and yeah. Will Hoffman and just everybody um, that's, uh, be, that's, you know, nameless behind the scenes. Um, you're appreciated. Um, you are somebody uh, made in the image of God doing doing the work of ministry that you've been called to do. So um, we can only say thank you and uh, be grateful for even the unnamed things that happen anyway. Um, and so and we just need to look for those things and and, and make sure that we personally um, make sure people, um, you know, as hospitality anyway, just make sure that they feel uh, that they, they hear from our mouths, the, the gratitude that we have for them. But uh, with that said, with the glory of God, we'll end our podcast. So this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.